на трибунах холеют знамена, Облака под небесни плывут. На зеленом ковре стадиона разноцветные майки цветут. Hello and welcome back to the Russian Football News Podcast. So we're reconvening this week, as as mentioned in the last episode, at a slightly earlier date as we are recording ahead of time due to some scheduling issues and mainly vacations that are going to be well-deserved by myself and David. And on that note, I am joined today by David. Hello, James. And it is just the two of us today because we're going to now go through a similar end-of-season awards just the same as last week, but instead of the RPL, it's going to be a slightly more concise and shorter version for purely the Finnael. So to first have a little look at the categories, we're going to be deciding on our player of the season. And of course, as a little spoiler, and because you can all probably guess who that will be, the second category will be player of the season who isn't Ivan Sergeyev. A young player of the season, the best manager, the biggest surprise, team or player, and the best signing. So to get straight into it, I think I'll I'll jump in myself with with Sergeyev in that he is, of course, the record breaker. Now is the all-time leading goal scorer in one season in the Finnetel, both in terms of Russian and Soviet history. And I believe he's got 53 goals and assists in 40-odd games this season, which is just quite unbelievable. I mean, he's one of those players where when whenever we mention the Finnetel throughout the, the season of the podcast, he is mentioned. I think him and Artem Maximenko are the only... The only two people that kind of make the cover image of, of our podcast. I mean, David, what what else can you say about Sergeyev apart from that the the base stats don't already tell you about the sort of season he's had? Oh, it's mad! Like, and the the weird thing is, he he played the first two or three games of seasons for Torpedo before he joined Krylia, and didn't yeah. score in any of those games. And actually, I remember watching first day of the season Shinik against Torpedo, and Shinik won that game one nil, and Sergeyev missed like two sitters in that one. Um, so the fact that he then went and scored 40 goals for Carilio in the rest of the season is, you know, is uh, outstanding. And he's he's not one of those guys who stat padded it with with penalties. You know, out of that 40, only mm-hmm. five of them were penalties compared to, say, um, Spurzian, who scored 16 goals from midfield, but six of those were penalties. So, um, you know, he, he had the odd penalty and he actually missed a penalty uh, against Spartak 2, which would have been his record-breaking goal uh, at one point towards the end of the season. But you know, we can we probably run out of superlatives for him. You know, he what can you say? Forty goals in a regular league season is is just ridiculous. Um, goals from <laughs> you know, I remember at the halfway stage, I I called him a bit of the header merchant. But actually, you know, I did I did some in, more some more risk getting you know to see actually how he was scoring, and he did score a lot of goals that were from the first touch. You know. Basically, he's from a cross. He scored a ton of goals from crosses. Kabutov, his teammate, had 15 assists this season, and a good chunk of them were for were for him. Um, but yeah, he was scoring all sorts of goals, largely from inside the box. You know, he is a penalty box striker. But yeah, when I started watching Crudio more intensely in the second half of the season, I realised that he could do he could do more. Like he was able to progress the ball up the field and and be a hold up striker as well. Um, and he wasn't just the guy. They weren't just creating tons of chances, and he was tapping them in. He was involved in the build-up a lot as well so you know great great season and you obviously we were hoping that he, he sticks for sticks around at career can do it in the premier league next season 
Yeah, certainly. I, I did some little bit of research because I can't. We, we both knew that it would be Sergeyev. I think everybody kind of would have expected it to be Sergeyev. And at one point during the season, he scored in. He scored twenty-two goals in seventeen games. And and if it wasn't for a, a one-nil against the, in that one-nil against Nizhny, which started off the second half of the other Fenerbahce season, pretty much when Zinkovsky scored the winner late on, that was the only game in that run that he didn't actually score in, including. A hat trick against Textilchik, uh, and then braces against Akron and Spartak too as well, which is just an incredible run. That was his most like the biggest purple patch of of the entire season. Yeah. And I think I, I'm not 100 percent on this, but I've I've went back from Finnael and RPL all the way back to like 2002, just going back through the stats, and he's the first person to be top scorer and and score more than. 20 goals, I think it is, to have 100% of his goal contributions as goals in the league. He got obviously 40 goals and zero assists in the, in the finale itself this season, which is uh, quite an unbelievable. Um, was it zero? Yeah, Seven. yeah, it was zero. Oh, zero. Um, I don't know where that's from. I just, I actually just had a look on the finale. It said he had seven assists in the finale on the Fisher website. I was trying to remember how many hat tricks he had this season. I'm desperately trying to look it up now because. I'm sure he scored at least five hat tricks this season. Well, and, unfortunately, and uh, Sofa scores stats aren't then the most accurate because five. they they go through as having zero assists. Official, yeah, he, uh, he got five hat tricks this season per Sofa score, and he didn't get a poker. I thought he had four game, four, a four goal game at one point. But yeah, so five, unfortunately, five five hat tricks in a in a season where their biggest win was a seven a seven nil up. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thank you to the data people at Tosofa Score because that was a good hour and 15 minutes completely wasted <laughs> that I spent going through all of them lists. I literally got up every single player who was leading goal scorer in the Fenerl and the RPL and opened up their page and had to look through every year. I got on a transfer market and on Soccer Way and <laughs> it's like it was, uh, and then went through the lists on Sofa Score because they have like a drop down box where you can go through the years that they've played and. Um, it's a zero for him, so thanks, thanks, Sofascore. Uh, and on that bombshell, I think we will move on to the next topic, oh, which dear. is player of the season who isn't Ivan Sergeyev. So, David, who's your non-Sergeyev player? Oh, it's a tough one. I mean, there's there's so many players, um, but I think we have to go for another player who was due to be promoted, but now isn't going to be, and that's. Uh, Dmitry Vorobyov um, of FC Orenburg. Uh, second top scorer in the league with 24 goals after Sergei, which is still, you know, a very respectable number. Um, he played for two teams. He played for Volgar Ashkan first half of the season and scored, I think, 10 goals there. And then when he joined Orenburg, it was, you know, another guy who was in serious purple patch form uh, in 2021. And uh, I think almost rivaled Sergei for goals in 2021 alone. Sergei was was boosted by the fact that he was so prolific in the first half of the season. Mm. But joining Nuremberg, a more dominant team, he he really thrived. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's almost a shame, therefore, that they're not getting promoted and he won't go with them. You'd sort of half expect there'll be teams looking at him. You know, Orenberg yeah. will be able to surely turn a, a quick profit on him. Um, and, you know, he's out of the Krasnar Academy, so you know, who knows where the Krasnar might go, go back for him uh, to bring him in. You know, they... They're looking to do a big turnaround this season. Russian spots, you know, squads need more Russian players now. 
with with the limit of only eight in the whole squad, that that cuts you down big time, and you are going to have to have some in there. So, uh, I think he's going to be in demand, and he he had a good season, which which deserved that demand. Yeah, he's a he's another one of those like we mentioned yesterday, where Fedotov has kind of done it with Sochi. We're getting journeyman. I think to call him a journeyman is probably unfair because he is still only twenty three, but. After he was released from Krasnodar, he, he he ended up in the Czech second division, and then at Nizhny, where when he was at Nizhny, he really didn't impress massively. He was shipped out on loan to Volgar, and then Volgar eventually did sign him in in, in July last year, before the start of the season. So he's one who has struggled to pick up chances or even chances to to play. Never mind to take those chances to score, and thoroughly deserves the plaudits that he's getting, but. And I like his style of play as well because he's a little bit like Sarvelli in the sense that they're both players who play chiefly in that number 10 role but are incredibly creative and you can just tell that they're both kind of playing at a class above. It was like when Kirill Panchenko was was down in the finale, you just knew he was playing at a class above and, and I think those two will go and beyond be becoming RPL regulars even if it maybe is towards the bottom of the RPL rather than any higher. But my personal choice for for non Sergeyev player of the season, I think it's going to have to be Nemanja Pekinovic. Um, obviously, as people may recognise, the Serbian central defender who was at Lokomotiv for four and a half years. Um, he joined Fakel in October when Fakel were pretty much right down in the bottom of the relegation fight. He and then from there was Fakel, one of those teams who really suffered um, in the first half of the year through the as as you know, David from from COVID and had quite a stacked fixture list in the second half. So they didn't play a great amount after he joined. But from the moment he joined in October to the end of the season, they only actually lost four times in in, in general. And he played every single game. And I think he came off the bench on one of them. But he started 23, 23 out of the 24 games. And just look at Fakel's record, where at the mid-season point before the winter break, they were 16th in the table, right in the relegation battle. And they ended it comfortably in mid-table with one of the best runs of form. And a large reason to that isn't just Pekinovic. I mean, their strikers did pick up form. The, the whole team kind of did play a lot better in the second half. But it was in the first half of the season, and particularly in those couple of months leading up to October, where the defence was all over the place. And he came in, was the leader at the back. I think he was immediately named the team captain, at least not the club captain. He was immediately named the team captain for numerous games. And then kind of led from from the back and I was really impressed by both his performances and to be honest I was impressed by Fakel signing him because he's still only 33 he only left Russia what three four years ago now I think it was 2018-19 that he left and it was a little bit of a surprise where he's not quite in the twilight of his career where you would expect somebody to return down to a drop down to a lower league so fair credit to him for going to to Fakel for the for the game time and he's rewarded their their trust in him as well. But what's your take on Pekinovic, David? Do you think? Oh yeah, he uh, was, he was great. I mean, it's, it was a real coup. I know I know he'd expressed uh, a big interest in returning to Russia, and that was why he was willing to to join a Fenil club when at that point of the year in October, where Premier League clubs were. Limited on their foreign players. Obviously, Feniel can only have four or five foreign players, um, but most of them don't fulfil those limits of four or five. 
Um, in fact, I think of only he is their only foreigner, as far as I'm aware. Um, Do you think he could step up, maybe? Because obviously he's got, like, no disrespect to, to Fakel, but he's he's dropped down to the Finnell, perhaps with one eye on returning to the RPL one day, and of course they, they are only ninth. Do you think I mean, that, uh... you know, he's... You look at some of the elder centre-halves playing in the RPL, you know, at a mid to lower level, he, he'd do just as fine a job as some of those for definite. Um, stick, him, stick him in a an Ahmat alongside Semyonov or something. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a you know it's a very good partnership, uh, and he's you know he's arguably probably better than Semyonov, um, especially know, he, with uh, where Wilker being released as well and and leaving Akhmat, they'll have a foreigner spot freed up at the back. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. centre backs in. It was it was just I mean I just spat ball any team, but you know that sort of level of team is what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, where he, yeah, where you you have an old centre half in there, uh, and he yeah he do just as fine a job, uh, I'm sure. It'd be interesting to see whether it, whether he stays or he's happy there. You know, Voronezh is a fairly sizable city. The club's obviously performing well. I presume he therefore is settled well. Um, yeah, it would be uh, interesting to see. I, I don't know what sort of contract he signed there and how long he's due to stay. But um, you know, he 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 was surely a big reason for their for their turnaround. Um, this season, and the, and the stats sort of uh, prove it. Yeah, you could certainly do a job like recover Ural, where I mean, Ural aren't massively um, solid at the back right now. I mean, obviously, the country shipped six against Spartak, and there's a few times where they shipped three and four. But before and after Rikov and Strandberg, and they, like their sort of return to Ural and, and Rikov's move in general. Last year, they they were really like all absolutely all over the place. They had, I mean, Heroyan just says a lot about his level. I'm not a big fan of him. And then players playing out of position constantly. Um, Roman Yamilyanov playing at centre back again, who has never really fulfilled his early promise. And then Rikov kind of came in and just led the line, used his experience. I mean, he's he's slow. He's he's, he's going to get turned quite easily by a fast player, but he really did bring a lot to kind of unify that Ural defence. And I could see Pekinovic doing that sort of leadership job in, in the RPL like he has in the Finitel as well. And I think, if I remember rightly at the time, I think it was only a one-year deal, which kind of tends to be the the general sort of contract handed out to, to foreigners in the Finitel because of the financial instability. But we would have to double-check that because on, off the top of my head, I can't remember, mm, to be honest. Yeah, you'd assume so. I mean, he, I mean you'd assume he's on... Bigger wages. I mean, they've got a small club, a uh, small squad in general. So, mm. yeah, be it's uh, be interesting to see what happens. So, if we move on to young player of the season, which, to be honest, is incredibly difficult with the Finnell, of course, with the Limitchik rule, which actually forces clubs to play a certain amount of of younger players. There is a whole host of them that really impress year in uh, throughout this year, and I think for me. The one man who, well, spoiler, we'll get onto the sport box for the L teams of the season later on, but he wasn't named in either of them, and that's Krasnodar's Eduard Spurzian. Now, Spurzian has played in the Champions League this year for the first team, as well as majority of the time spending playing in the Finnell for for the Krasnodar Dvar, but he has 20 goals and assists this season for them, and what's been quite a disappointing season for Krasnodar Dvar now whether or not I think they should be in the pyramid is a whole different matter, but he has been their 
standout player and sort of create a fulcrum and the tip of a spear, all those sort of usual platitudes that you hear from a player who scores a lot of goals and creates quite well. That is him. He's he's a real all-round striker and I've been thoroughly impressed by by his development this season in the team. But David, I believe you've got a different name in mind for your young player of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, as you said, there's a whole plethora. I mean, we talk about the Limitute rule um, and it's it's working just for a quick basis. Last year, Feniel clubs used 141 under 20 players in their match day squads. This season, they have used 214. So that's 73 more uh, on in a one season growth. Um, and for if you take that up to under 23 players, it's like 200 extra. So there's definitely progress, and it's you know I think it's clear that the FNL is becoming a younger league. Um, there's definitely been more emphasis put on using it as a, a talent pool, as a, a development pool, and uh, we're seeing results. You know, Makarov's in the uh, in the national team. Smoshnikov's in the national team. Two years ago, they were both playing in the FNL. Um, so yeah, it, it's promising signs. Uh, but yes, back to my choice. Uh, tough one, and I, I, I sort of feel hard doing this because. He's only really featured second half of the season. Or he has only featured second half of the season. It's uh, Nikita Krivsov from, from Tom Tomsk. Only 18 years old and uh, came on loan from a PFL club, Torpedo Vladimir. Never featured for any Russian youth team in his whole career. You know, just come through the, the academy at his, his hometown club. Joined Tom Tomsk on loan and in uh, 15 appearances scored four goals and five assists from... Um, sort of box-to-box midfielder, occasionally playing wide. A, a very free role he was given there, and uh, he's been rewarded with an under-21 call-up as well. Um, statistically, I mean, I started watching Tom Tomsky every week because of him, because he was you know, such a fun little player to watch. Uh, those are the players that catch your eye the most, obviously, and um, you know, I've had it with last year with Ugrunov and, and Kvitscher in the Premier League. And uh, you know, statistically, he stands out when it comes to chance creation, ball progression. You know, he's up there with the best in the league this year, and he's only 18. And uh, this is his first time at playing at this level, um, so he really impressed me. And you know, he was he was the guy. Um, I might have gone for uh, Ilya Burkovsky um, had he carried on his first half of the season form. You know, he was fantastic for Torpino first half of the season. Yeah, Lokomotiv signed him in January. Uh, along with Nikitin from, from Fakel. They loaned Bukowski to Nizhny Novgorod, and I'm, I'm fairly certain he was then injured. I think he played twice then, uh, between January and the end of the season. Um, so really unfortunate, because you know he's he was hot, he was a hot commodity in January, and that's why Loco went and picked him up. Um, and he, he was showing real promise. Um, very talented attacking midfielder. Um uh, I'll also give a shout out to Misha Ignatov from from Spartak too, who was phenomenal in particularly in the second half of the season, and just showed that he should be in and around the first team squad at Spartak. You know, he's he is really immensely talented, and uh, he he deserves a chance now. He's I think he's just turned to anyone, and to be fair, last day in the season he did. I think he got twenty odd minutes against Akmat there. So um, yeah, those those are my picks three three young attacking midfielders really that uh, could have solved the the standout. Yeah, and on Ignatov, I think he's been uh, absolutely brilliant for Spartak too this season. But he, he kind of he, he did get a little bit of a chance, um, not a massive one, but he did get a chance a couple of years ago playing 
uh, for Spartak, but then he kind of fell out. I think he fell out with the coach at the time. I can't, I can't remember exactly the reasoning why. I know it was when mm. Kononov was in charge. He got his debut under Kononov, and and I, if I remember rightly, it's I'm cool. sure he fell out with Kononov. Yeah, and um, yeah. I mean, there's certainly talk. I've heard talk that he's he's uh, maybe a bit of a, a live wire. No, is that the right word I want to use? I don't know. He he can be quite frictious, as far as I'm aware. Um, mm. And you know, he I think he did get at least two red cards this season, straight reds for. Um, some quite bad challenges. You know, he seems to be maybe a bit of a hothead. Um, but in terms of raw talent, you know, he's got bunches of it. He just needs to to sort out the rest of his the rest of his game. Really, it would seem. And uh, you know, maybe just just age will do that. You know, just maturing. Hopefully, he'll just mature as, as time goes on. Yeah, and for, for when he did score, it was against Yensei away in twenty eighteen, mm. and to just like tell some of the Spartak fans who else was playing that day to say how long ago he got the job, he got the, he got his debut. I mean, Salvatore Bacchetti was in the team, um, Fernando and Zilowish and Hani. And, and I think it was just when Maximenka got his debut as well and Raskasov. So that's how far back we're going when he just turned 18. He first got his full debut and, and scored around that time. I mean, he played against uh, Rapid Vienne uh, and, and, and Villarreal in the Europa League that year in the group stages as well. So yeah, he, was he was very, very highly good rated. In one of those games as well. I remember, like, um, I remember when he had that breakout period. Like the main thing everyone noticed was that he was like really skillful on the ball, and uh, you know he scored some fantastic solo goals this season in the Feniel. There was one he scored against, I think it's Chalika, where he took on like five or six players and then stuck it top bins with his left foot, like on the turn. Like it was an unbelievable finish. Um, so yeah, you know he's he's really come on, and I, I hope he can sort himself out and. And get himself a chance in the first team, and if not, go to another Premier League team who is going to give him that chance because I think he's good enough for it. Yeah, I think it was he got his debut against Rapid Vienne when he came on for Tikhanov after um, not Timofeyev, sorry, Timofeyev scored the own goal, and then he played really well a couple of games later against Rangers and the drew nil nil, and he and he started that match and he had a really good game. But it's good to see him sort of rekindling some of his form because I know he was quite disappointing last season in the Finnael compared to how he has been this. But if I was going to mention two Spartak names as well, just as a quick little a little like honourable mention, is Daniil Denisov and Stepan Oganasian. Uh, Denisov's played in 30-odd oh, games this season for Spartak. He hasn't got a goal or assist, and he's, he's, he's not the most creative player. He is very much a deep-lying midfielder, and in a bit of a water carrier for Spartak, but he's he's still only 18, playing 30-odd games for the second team. So with, obviously, Ayaz Guliev being released and um, Marie Vittoria set to take charge, who is known for giving youngsters a chance, I wonder if Denisov might be one of those ones that he could keep an eye on in the future in Spartak. Uh, he's he's also got a few red cards this season. There's quite a few characters down in, in, in the Spartak 2 team who are a little bit rash, but I think that's because a lot of them are really getting the debuts when they are like 17, 18. Um, Denisov, I think, made his debut when he was 16, even, uh, against Chitanova a couple of years ago. So it was... Maybe it's just the lack of experience and raw age, but Organasian as well has been brilliant for them. Um, he's kept... I mean, Alexander Tashayev, obviously people remember that name, is the guy who broke through the scene on Dinamo a couple of years ago, moved to Spartak, um, and it's been nothing but disappointing. It Oganassian's kept Tashayev completely out of his out of his role, and also Pedro Rocha as well. Both players who prefer to play off the left. Um, 
Agnesian started again over 30 games a season for Spartak 2 and it's been absolutely brilliant yeah, as well. Also scored some really good goals. I mean, he's he's one of the group in the under twenty one squad. I think we should just go through and say, of the new gen under twenty one squad, uh, we've got Botnar Borisko, Akatsev, uh, Ruslan Litvinov, Agapovs, uh, Chernikov, Ignatov, Kruvsov, Organesian, Kosarev. That's like. 14 players who have all spent the season in the Feniel, called up, and yeah. most of them still are at Feniel, even if a couple of them are on loan. Um, and a, a lot of them have already played RPL football as well. I mean, yeah, Organetsian yeah. was, was only a couple of minutes. I think he he came on in that loss uh, win against Kimki. Um, mm-hmm. Him and Makitasov came on very late, but yeah, it just Litvinov, shows the... Litvinov's had a good few appearances as well. Uh, for Spartak off the bench, I'm pretty sure. Chernikov's had a couple of games for Krasnodar. Um, Kosser have had a few at Rubin, so yeah, there's there's a big pool there of loanies and you know Feniel genuine players who are who are going towards that next generation. Um, I think it's it's signs that the the new rules are actually doing some good. I'm not sure on the the figures 100 percent on this, but I know that the Feniel has got a, a massive um, percentage of youngsters who. Are players who are under the age of 23 that play, obviously, thanks to Limitric rule, but also one of the higher percentages of lower divisions in Europe of uh, Russian nationality. Of course, mm. that's largely because of the fact there's a, a very, very strict foreigner limit and even stricter and more difficult financial problems to, to try and navigate. But it's only a good thing for the lower, younger tiers and the first team in, in Sponaya side as well in the long term. Yeah. Absolutely. So if we move move on to manager of the season, uh, I don't think anybody will be surprised in in what my choice is. And of course, that is uh, Osienkin at Krilia. He led Chitanova to almost the top four last season. Um, he was signed by Krilia in the summer as part of that sort of exodus out of Chitanova where eight players and the manager all went to Krilia. He was obviously aided by that, by the fact that a lot of these younger lads have played together for a very long time, have played under him for quite a long time, would be able to adapt quite easily. But he's also managed a big squad. I mean, Quilliers is the biggest in the league by quite some distance. And players that he's never played before, big players who've got bigger names as well. I mean, Nikita Chilnov is a pre prior and RPL regular. Um, bringing in, uh, not bringing in, uh, Zinkovsky as well, who's a, a very big name and, and, and kind of broke on the scene in Krilia when they got relegated. He's managed to stay at Krilia and, and he's moulded them all together in what is such an unbelievably efficient unit. Of, they got over 100 goals last season and ran away with the title. So I think I can't really look beyond Osinkian. Um There's also some question marks over others um, in and around the conversation, David. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could you got to give praise to the Orenburg coach um, Lichka from from the Czech Republic. You know, a foreign coach in the Fenio, and you know he he did a very good job with them. We can't can't ignore them. Um, you know, they they rightfully got a top two place, and uh, while Krilia ended up with one hundred and one points, Orenburg had ninety four, which is still you know a big big total to get to. Um, but I think uh, as much as he's a bit of a wild character. We got to give some credit to Spartak Gorkniev uh, of Alania. You know, Alania were one of the 
six teams who came up last year from the PFL and they had a, an amazing season and came uh, in the top four. Uh, first season at this level in, in quite some time. Obviously, former RPL side, but um, the squad's largely built up of of players from that their home region down in the Caucasus. Uh, a lot of young players, very young squad. I think his uh, his son has even uh, been on the bench a couple of times. Uh, and, you know, they, they went out there and played, just played. You know, they scored a ton of goals. They had a couple of players who racked up, you know, uh, Batres uh, Goetze have got eight assists and 13 goals this season, which uh, you know, is a very impressive, impressive tally from midfield. Um, the only downside from his season was when there was a big brawl um, just after the restart. I can't even remember who they were playing. There was a big brawl, and he and Kitab Kosanov both got suspended for at least four games for being involved in said brawl, which involved other players and the referee. Um, and we sort of, I think we all sort of knew he was a hothead from his career. You know, he, we saw him play yeah. for Siska and Ural over the years. And uh, no surprises, but, he, you know, he's a very young coach. He's not even 40 and he's uh, he's having his team play good football, um, his young team playing good football. So um, got to give him some credit for, for doing well. You know, Stukalov would have been up there, I think, from Velez as well, but they did mm-hmm. they did fall off, and obviously then he left to Ufa, but and clearly, you know, and did a very good job at Ufa. So clearly, he's he seems to be a good coach. But um, I think Gogniev deserves some credit. Yeah, certainly. And although they were relegated this season, I would like to mention uh, Sasha Kershakov, mm-hmm. of course, who just left Tom um, at the end of his at the end of the season after they were relegated into the PFL. It's kind of widely known and uh, famous through Russian football circles that Tom are constantly skint, like they're constantly battling any form of financial survival. They've got quite a young team, small squads, and they, of course, have the geographic issues that they always have. Um, That pitch there is is at best playable for like four months a year, if that. And Kozhikov almost (laughs) kept them up. with a very good run of form, and he's kind of, I think they're only what f- t- t- one point behind Akron in the end, and and with Tambov's implosion, it's expected that Akron will will stay up in the Finnael. Um, so fair credit, fair credit to Kershakov. Of course, he didn't win it because ultimately Tom were relegated, but it seems to be that him and a couple of the youngsters that he's gave debuts to this season have really came out of this season with the reputation intact, and he will. Almost certainly, manage an RPL team one day if he keeps up this kind of form. He's been highly linked, isn't he, to to Nizhny Novgorod? Yeah, um, the job there. We obviously they and they are going up, so who knows? But yeah, they, I mean, he was great um, with that young squad. You know, he he came from what was he coaching the under seventeen national team? I think mm-hmm. signed up a lot of young players from RPL clubs on loan and from below, and yeah, they only lost. And lost four times after the, the restart out of 16 games. Um, their, their downside was they drew quite a lot. Um, the, the big killer games was they drew against the Akron and the Krasnar too, who were both their relegation rivals. They win one of those, that's it. They, they're up. They would have stayed up. Yeah. So, yeah, disappointing, but he yeah he did do a very good job with them yeah, there in the second half of the season. I think it was the under-19s he came from, because I, I think he worked his way up, the, the, like the, a couple of the lower, the lower levels yeah, of the... Maybe national team I can't remember. but yeah it, it was a very much out of the blue and to be honest it was 
I think a lot of commentators at the time, obviously, some were saying, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a legend. He, of course he'll do well. But it's not easy for someone in their first club domestic job to, to go to a place like Tom because Tom are a little bit of a crazy club, as we all know. Last time they were in the Fennet L, they're, they're still dealing with the after effects of that relegation. Um, so the the long-term financial issues more so that have, have really plagued them. And then they were particularly difficult, uh, badly hit and had difficult time with the with the COVID outbreak as well, Tom. So fair credit to Kershikov, but of course, unfortunately, didn't quite keep them up. So he isn't, isn't manager of the season uh, for me anyway. Uh, surprise, biggest surprise team or player. I think my biggest surprise has got to be uh, Elania. Elania, of course, finished fourth in the the final table and it's good to see them back. Oh, well, a Phoenix club version of the old Alania Vladikavkaz back in near the top of the Fenetel anyway. They would have took part in the uh, playoffs this year if it wasn't for, of course, the the issues regarding the Fenetel licensing debacle and and basically because they and Orenberg and a couple of others, but mainly because they and Orenberg were denied licenses um, the new regulations are that by default, 13th and 14th um, in the RPL, Arsenal, Tula and Ufa will stay up automatically without the playoffs. So it is a shame for them because I think alongside probably Krillia, they've played some of the most exciting football this season. Um, I know Nizhny have got what, nearly 70 goals, but a lot of Nizhny's is kind of backs against the wall, counter-attacking stuff, uh, long ball up top to Sulemanov. But Alania's like just it's kind of like just go for it and and enjoy yourselves to play some really really good stuff and i think young magomedov is going to be one to keep an eye on in the future i say young i think he's 23 now isn't he <laughs> but but yeah they, they came obviously promoted um from the pfl last season and and they did a church in chitanova so with any luck they can sustain it in a second season and and hopefully do a rot of Volgograd and bring a little bit of pride down to South Ossetia again. But mm. David, you're surprised this season? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go for one of the other promoted clubs, which is uh, Velez. You know, we mentioned before, they were right up there. Um, you know, freshly promoted. They got a tiny budget playing in Moscow there. And some of the players they signed, like uh, Maiga was just, before that he was, uh, I think he was selling uh, lighters. I think they said he, he was just selling lighters in Moscow, <laughs> playing playing in the the seven aside league, and uh, he's he's Didn't now one of that. the one of the guys being linked with a move to Ufa. You know, uh, Stukalov went and joined Ufa towards the end of the season. He's allegedly going to go and uh, grab two or three guys from Velez to take with him. Um, mm. You know, they dropped off a little bit second half of the season, but they still finished eighth. Um, uh, and at the halfway stage, were were right up with a shout of, of making the top four. Um, which for a club, you know, I don't think, you know, when clubs come up, no one, they're not supposed to do that well. You know, two, two of the Premier League teams came in the top eight of the league. Um, you know, that's, that's tremendous. And, you know, considering how much smaller they are and new, Velez are a new club as well. Uh, they were, they're a real surprise. So, yeah, they're, they're my pick. I didn't know that he was selling lighters in the streets of Moscow before playing. That's a... Yeah, something like that. Like he was just, yeah, one of those guys. He said he would just stand outside the metro and, and was selling. I'm sure it was lighters. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a brilliant scouting. That's the sort of move you would expect Gazizov to make. <laughs> something bizarre like that. But is Galoyan one of the other ones that are linked to 
to be joining him at Buffer as well or not? Or is he, um, he's he been linked, linked elsewhere, Cisco, I think. Yeah, who is it? Um, Botaka, one of the centre-halves, was linked to Ufa and Ruslan, Fish, Ruslan Fischenka, who's a, a young midfielder. So they're always three young. Oh, Maiga's like 25, but the other two are both um, Actually, yeah. 21, I think. So, um, yeah. But Galoyan has, you know, he's talented and has been linked elsewhere. Yeah. Well, I like with Stokalov as well, is he's done that typical Finnell thing where he's grabbed together lots of players who've been dropped down from the, the bigger academies. I mean, <laughs> saying that, that's a lot of, that's a, a high percentage of, of young players in, in Russia right now. But um, Lasana and Dai was, was dropped by the Cisco Academy and, and Velez picked him up and he's, he's had an excellent season. He's still only 20 as well. So it's good to see him getting the best out of what is another young squad. And, and again, just clear evidence that the limit check rule is and the new, the new structure that they're moving towards is is really working because if I'm not a big fan of the foreigner limit, we all know that none of I think none of us are to be fair, but but this youngster limit is you can see that does set a clear pathway for development. You can see why that would benefit both the clubs domestically and the national team because it's it allows players to get playing men's football at a younger age and more players be given that real chance because most of the time a difference between discovering one player and another player kind of falling away and out of the football footballing career is sometimes just getting playing time, just being given that chance. So absolute fair credit to the FINAL and, and the regulation regulatory authorities there for bringing that through. And there are a few, of course, but... And I believe, David, here's an interesting one. I, do you know the... Obviously, the PIFAL is is rebranding to be the Finna L2 or whatever the, the full name will be. Um, hasn't been fully decided, has it? Uh, the limit check regulations are going to follow, isn't it, I, I presume? Um, I don't know, actually. I think the PFL have... Um, they have their own. They have even, they're going to have even stricter rules. I think PFL's... Last time they were something proposed, it was like PFL clubs were going to have to use like three or four under-21 players, whereas mm. the Finna L only need to use one. So I think there was going to be even more emphasis on youth at, at the PFL level, uh, Good. which is it's odd. It's it's weird in a way because then what happens to older players, older Russian players? Do they lose their value? Do they gain value at a higher level? You know, if a twenty-eight-year-old's not good enough for the Fenia, what what's going to happen? Is he going to retire? Like because they he might not be, you know, such an important signing at a lower level uh, for those for those guys who, you know, they're semi-pros. They, but they get bribed. I presume they get mm. by as a job as a footballer in in the Fenia or the PFL, just about. Yeah. Um, it's it's an interesting situation. I mean, it shouldn't be too strict, but there will be players who are forced out who are you know. I'm, I'm sure if you go and look at like uh, I don't know, just any random PFL team, there'll be a bunch of older guys in there who who might suddenly lose their value. Yeah, like Vitaly Djakov at Spartak too, who's been there forever, mm. but. Um... I feel sorry for those players, but I feel like this is a is an easier and a, a larger step towards financial stability, which is probably the biggest issue plaguing the PFL in particular. Um, because yeah, these players are going to demand lesser wages by well, by quite some distance, especially when you have some of the Finnell journeymen who've been around the block for quite some some time. They'll be easier to negotiate with, and the agents should be easier to negotiate with, in theory, anyway. But like these guys who are maybe going to get dropped off, then well, what about 
players who were playing for, say, Angie and Amcar and, and so on, they all get dropped off and they'll filter, most of them will filter out elsewhere into different teams, into different pyramids, probably jump borders across to like some of the old Tambov guys did, where there's quite a few of them ended up in Moldova and Belarus. It's not ideal, but there is routes out there for these players to go elsewhere. Um, it is a bit of a shame that they will be getting forgotten about, but I think at this juncture, financial stability is quite a an important thing to try and thrive for the Finnl and what it, the Finnl two will be, whatever it's actually going to finally be called. But we'll finish off again by the best signing of the season, and it is cyclical, of course, because I think best signing for me has to be Ivan Sergeyev. <laughs> yeah, I mean. We just say the best transfer window of the season, and just say Krilia. <laughs> because I mean, it's like hey, plus the Chertan of a group. I mean, yeah, they definitely had the best, uh, the best window, and it's yeah, it's a given to give it to Sergeyev, really. So, yeah, no brainer. On that, I mean, we can't. We've, we've had all the expletives. We've used. We've went through all his stats earlier on. It's just kind of you have to just once again just appreciate the level of performance that he's put in this season. And hopefully he can, for the for Carilia can carry that on. But to finish off, just before we do do leave yourselves for the, and we will return next week for the team of the season. David, do you want to look through some of the sport boxes um, fan and expert team of the seasons for the Finnell? Yes, I shouldn't have closed the link. I was going to say you closed it, didn't you? I've I've got them. I've got them here. One sec. Uh, I've I've got it back. I'm back. <laughs> okay, so they did they did an open voting on their website for team of the season, and then they also picked their own team of the season. And there's a fair bit of crossover. So the the fans' team of the season was uh, Solvatenko of Alania in goal, uh, Polyukhtov of Krilia at right back, Pachinovic of Fakel at centre half, alongside Solvatenkov from Krilia at centre half, uh, Malyarov from Nizhny Novgorod at left back. Uh, in centre midfield, we had Sepeta from Nizhny Novgorod and Magomedov from Alania. On the wings, we had Krilia's Yezhov and Zinkovsky. And up front, we had obviously Segev and Vorobyov. And the experts team of the season from Sportbox was uh, Gorodovoy, who played for Skar, Havarovsk, and Valis Moscow this season in goal. Malik from Orenburg at right back. Pichinich from Fakel, Gutsuk from Nizhny Novgorod at centre-half, Yuri Goshkov from Kirillia at left-back, Sapeta from Nizhny Novgorod and Ignatov of Spartak 2 in midfield, uh, Gutsiev of Alania on the right wing, Zinkovsky of Kirillia on the left wing, and then that two up front again with Sergeyev and Vorobyov. Which, you know, is, they're fairly good teams. You know, I don't think we could disagree with much. Uh, Spurts, yeah. Jan, very hard to hard done by and a couple of the strikers who aren't there hard done by but um, you know, they can only have so many people in there and uh, there was a lot of good players this season yeah certainly and this is in in lieu of of doing our own Finnell team of the season um we unfortunately due to the euros in the short break with with the euros being delayed from last year we are running out of time to to try and because we wanted to focus a full episode on the team of the season for the Finnell so we thought we'd, we'll, we'll we'll get this one out of the way and do a little awards show for them. But next week we will be back um, with the RPL team of the season. I think it's probably going to be a little bit of a long one again. They tend to be our longest episodes just about in, in terms of the time because there's just 
so much to get through. Um, we we'll promise we won't spend 40 minutes discussing Zenith's defence this time and then 40 minutes the rest of the team like <laughs> like we did last year. But yeah. anyway, uh, on that bombshell, we'll end and I'll see you at the usual time next week. This has been the RFN Podcast. Bye for now. Веди его, беги, точнее его удар. Но мяч берет ноги решительный вратарь. Не напрасно футбольное поле Самых ловких и смелых плечок. Здесь нужны тренировка и воля. Быстрота, увлечение, расчет.